and joking too Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program known uh, worldwide now as Smoking and Toasting. I say worldwide because I think we got an email from like uh, some foreign country. Um, so close enough. As far as I'm concerned, we're worldwide. It doesn't matter. Even if <laughs> even if one of you listeners out there from from Texas or wherever travels outside the country, we are yes. now worldwide. That's right. That's right. Worldwide. We're love bad. It. We're nationwide, and now we're worldwide. I love, I love that intro, by the way. So not yeah. only is the music awesome, but uh, but we look like we're having a great time. Well, and, and I suspect it's because you know I've known you for a little while. A good time. You you're prone to having good times. I do I'm, what I can. I know that about you. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. It's uh, all about uh, craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry. Uh, Adam Andrus, our producer, is on the wheels of steel and making things happening and um we're feeling good show number 122 we're brought to you by b&b butchers and restaurant at 1814 washington ave in houston and in the shops at clear fork in fort worth um it is show number 122 we're very proud of that um you know um i was reading about podcasts this week and the number one issue for podcasts they say is what uh somebody made this word up but it's kind of a cool word pod fade Pod fade, pod fade. People who come on and and you know start a podcast and then you know x number of episodes in they just kind of fade away. Yeah, I, I think we'll <laughs> plan on that at about episode one thousand. One thousand, yeah. Are but you then we'll fade me? right back in. Yeah, we'll fade right back in because <laughs> it'll be like, hey, remember that thing where we got together every week and like sampled beers and and <laughs> and uh, spirits and stuff. Right, that was cool. That was cool. Let's do that again. Let's do that again. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing about that is there'll only be like a week span by the time we decide to fade oh, yeah. away. Oh, yeah. That's that. exactly right. So we'll so. be right back on to 1,001 so, in a week. And, and you know, there, there's I've noticed there's lots of uh, you know shows that crop up you know, and go, yeah, we're going to do you know, And most of them you know, have no plan and don't make it. The difference with us is we had no plan, and yet here we are. Yes. So <laughs> well, we work on we we are if nothing else we try to be consistent. We, that's right. We show up every week at one ish. Yes, that's right. That's about as consistent as we get. And, no, and, and but we, it is almost every week. Like we very very rarely miss a week. I'm yeah, pretty proud of we, myself for we've that. Taking you know a, a Thanksgiving off or something here and there and and uh, and but yeah we managed to make this uh, keep going. So uh, so we're proud of it and uh, um, you know I won't go so far as to say that no one has stepped in to stop us because that would be uncool. Uh, to say that and, and repetitive, uh, but I will say we are really, really, really thrilled to be here. If you like what you're hearing, by the way, please hit the share button. Thank and you for subscribe saying Subscribe and yeah. share. Subscribe uh, that, and share. That helps us tremendously. However, and you it gets our word out there. Yeah. However, you subscribe if you listen to the audio version of the podcast, um, you know, through uh, iTunes or Google Play, and uh, and then of course, yeah, just sharing it, you know, on Facebook. You know, Facebook. We can share it from the Smoking and Toasting Facebook page, and I think the way the Facebook algorithm works is that like uh one and a half people actually get yes, that yes. yeah uh so but when you share it your friends see it and so that's a it's a cool thing and and it helps the show and you know you got friends that love cigars and and whiskey and and 
tequila and and just and, just show them how cool you are and share. That's right. That's right. Look look at the cool stuff I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, the ten most important craft beers in American history. Ooh, this is going to be good. I'm excited. I'm excited to get to this list. This is going to be awesome. Plus, we're going to be uh, sampling some very interesting stuff. The Great Basin Orogenesis Topaz 2018 uh, from uh, the Great Basin Brewery in Sparks, Nevada. We've never had one of their beers on the show before, uh, but these guys are revered in uh, in basically the whole California, Nevada, like the West Coast, uh, kind of western third of the country. This brewery is like revered. This this is their Berliner Weiss style ale with blueberries. So we'll be trying That's that. Not, on the you show. know, I love I love Berliner yeah, Weiss. So this is going to be St. Arnold's got a new beer. I was, I, you know, I saw that. I was shopping and I saw. I was like, "Well, we're going to have to like, get some of this and have it on the show." It's their new Citrus IPA. We'll be trying that on the show, and one that Ian brought uh, a couple of weeks ago. That, that we didn't get to. We didn't get to because I believe we were pod crashed. And, you know, one of the great things about being pod crashed is when they bring a whole bunch of, like, spirits and beer. And they did. It was Chris Hart, whom no one cares no about. No one cares about that. Uh, but but he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he was, you know, kind enough to bring a whole bunch of stuff to sample. And so we didn't get to everything that we had brought. And you brought this. And I'm really excited about this because this is the beer. The beer. It's the Goose Island um, Bourbon County Stout. Uh, and it's the 2018 version, but this is the beer that basically made Goose Island yeah. a legend. Put them, put them really, really right. out there. Above now them, yeah. it's never been their bestseller, but it was the one that made them a thing and mm-hmm. made them, I think, something that. Well, you know, when we've re- both read the book about uh, right. Bourbon it, County Stout, it brought them Bourbon Barrel Stout and selling out. It brought them from being a craft brewery, one of the earliest craft breweries in general. It brought them from that to being someone who was really pushing right. the envelope. On what can you do with craft beer? I mean, who was doing that before them? Nobody. And they became a target for acquisition, and they were mm-hmm. acquired by Anheuser-Busch. But I have to feel like that the brewers, the you know, the master brewers that are still there doing their thing, that this is the stuff they're really yeah. proud oh, yeah, of. Yeah. You know, and so I'm anxious to taste it because they change it every year. Uh, the mm-hmm. the recipe is a little bit different. The aging process may be a little bit different, and so you had gotten your hands on a, a 2018 bottle. Not even sure where you got this because these are these are hard to find. Oddly enough, it was at a, a Kroger. Wow, that's crazy because you know people wait in line at the brewery yeah, just, in like, Chicago to get these and take them crazy. home. And you found one at a Kroger yep, in Houston, Texas. In well, it's uh, it's nice and cool and and uh, ready to be sampled today. So excited about that. Plus, uh, a platinum extra Añejo tequila called Key, Q-U-I, Key, hmm. uh, will be sampled on the show today. So we have a whole lot of good sampling. We have a whole lot of good things to look forward to. And uh, I'm just, okay, so let's, Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Budweiser ad campaign before we before we go any further. We've talked about it quite a bit. The Bud Light ad campaign, the 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 many and the few, uh, you know, for the many, not the few. <laughs> now, I, and I only know these things because I'm I'm a fan of NFL football and I watch the uh, the playoff games this mm-hmm. weekend. And of course, Bud Light is spending gazillions of dollars yeah. advertising on uh, on football games. And here's their new push. Are you ready? Guess what Bud Light is going to do? This Talk is revolutionary. I can't wait to hear. This it. will change the brewing industry. It'll change your whole perception. Are they going to triple hop their beer? No. Believe it or not, 
they're going to put an ingredients label on the 12-pack box. What? Yes, an ingredients label. And I've seen this ingredients label. It's you know help. what the ingredients are? Water, malt, barley, hops. You know, that's almost grape nut cereal. <laughs> I'm not joking. If you look at the ingredients of grape nut cereal. Okay, so this, I just want to talk about this because, you know, I come from the radio industry where basically people doing research and then the inability to properly interpret that research <laughs> has ruined an entire industry, right? So, uh, so this is exactly what's happening. Uh, I was talking about this with my wife. I go, I can't believe. Why are they spending millions of dollars to tell us they're putting an ingredients label on Bud Light? Who cares? We know it's in beer. Yeah. And so my wife, you know, being as as intelligent and and uh, I'm almost positive. By the way, I want to pause that thought for a second i'm almost positive when you buy a beer that has something else in it it always says brewed with i'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. i'm okay. pretty sure Go ahead. brewed with i you just know, i just want to make sure i'm not missing that boat blueberries like the right. berliner vice we're going to try today right, right right so uh so my wife being you know as you know industrious as she is <laughs> she starts searching for information on this uh, bud light label thing comes back to me with an article that basically says that they've done research in anheuser-busch that says that people want to know what's in their beer. Um, if you don't put those ingredients in beer, it isn't beer. It's not actually beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so this this to me is a perfect example of research run amok. What people are saying, like, like if you, for instance, were to swap the barley for grapes, mm-hmm. it's not beer. We're gonna try a St. Arnold. Uh, uh, IPA today. Mm-hmm. And St. Arnold already has several IPAs. Yes. Right? We're going to try one that is different from the ones they put out. And you know what the difference is? The kind of hops that they use in it. Oh, well, did they happen to announce it in maybe having something to do with their name or. You mean calling it Citrodos? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> the so. Po- no, so so here's a funny one too. Like like I love that you go on this rant because I was in a store the other day and you know Coors has their own thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like their their whole banquet beer which which mm-hmm. by the way, they're trying to make it look like it's something new. That's been around forever. No one liked it then. Um but uh now they have it in cool retro bottles. Cool retro bottles. Yes, cool. I can't remember. Oh, like, it's well, the, remember it's Miller the... Lite did that for a while. They went back to the old school uh, cans and right, bottles. Right, right. I'm just amazed. Like if we change the packaging, they will come. Yeah, or, I don't, I don't or know if we, you know the this whole thing about the ingredients label. People are saying if you ask people in a research study, uh, and and find out that they want to know more about what's in their beer, what they're telling you is they want to know what's in the beer that's different. From just regular watermark malt, barley, and hops, they want to know you used uh, Citra hops in the Citrados uh, mm-hmm. uh, IPA. They want to know that you used a different kind of. This is this is beer aficionados, craft beer fans saying, "I want to know more about my beer." It is not Bud Light drinkers saying, "I feel like I need to know about watermark barley and hops." I feel like they're already doing that to some degree. Like Budweiser hasn't changed their recipe in a long time. No, right? No. Then you have Bud Light, and mm-hmm. you might think to yourself, "Well, if they call it Bud Light, what could differentiate it from all the other Bud Lights out there?" Well, I, I don't know what would be in a Bud Light Lime versus a Bud Light. That doesn't really register with me like wow. i'm gonna need a what, list of ingredients what could it be 
or a Bud Light Chilada. I'm going to need a list of ingredients with that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny. uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to provide a countdown for you because we know what a monumentous occasion it will be for the um, the ingredient ingredient label to show up on Bud Light. So as of today, as of today's show, 14 days and counting until you can know, Bud Light drinker, What's in your beer? You remember they went through this whole thing. I I can't remember if it was Bud Light or Miller Light or whoever. It doesn't really matter. Remember the born on dating? Yes, yes. This beer was born on this right. date. They even do that, that way. When you walk into the store and you see that six aisles of the same <laughs> color packaging, yeah, you know which one is the freshest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it isn't six aisles anymore, and that's what yeah, I find. Is, that's that's what I find really interesting. I mean, these guys are. Uh, you know what? What? Well, uh, I got somebody on uh, the comments last week said that I should start doing ad campaigns for Bud Light. I don't want to do ad campaigns for Bud Light. <laughs> I really don't. I appreciated the comment; it was funny, but uh, but I'm not going to tell them what they should do. I'm just going to tell you that once again, this shows why they don't get it. Well, you know, I feel like you should drink a Bud Light once in a while so that you know mm-hmm. where the floor is. Yes. I mean, you got to know this beer to appreciate that beer. That's right? a very good point. I'm just pointing out. And as you recall, we've done now twice on this show. Twice we have done light beer blind taste testing. Yes. Where we've done, what was it, 16 beers or 12 beers, I think? 12 beers the first 12 time. 12 beers yeah. the first time, 12 beers the second time. The only two beers that repeated from the first one to the second one were Miller Light and Bud Light. And Bud Light did horrible. Never made the top of anyone's in list both, time. In both times. Miller Lite actually beat, uh, beat it, uh, made it to everyone's list That's right. each time. Each time, which was, and again, this is blind taste testing. That's so, pretty funny. So maybe they ought to think about what their beer tastes like. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Or or do more ads where people are watching football. Because that's really, I mean, if you think of Bud Light, I mean, what you think of it, that's a beer that drink people drink while they're tailgating. Well, it's and, for the know, many. Right. It's for the many. It's for the many. It's yeah, not for exactly. It's not for thinkers. It's or not so for artists. Told. It's right. for many. Right. It's for many. And so if you want to be like the masses, it's the beer for you. Oh. <laughs> and that's what I've always <laughs> Brian wanted to did do put up here. If masses. it's free, you will drink it, if I remember correctly. It, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah. True, true enough. I mean, if it's the only well, beer available and it's free, man, maybe if it's really cold, yeah. If it's free, but it, that, not gonna turn it down. that's going to depend on... Okay, so here's a question for you. Bud Light sitting in front of you, and I don't know, let's just say a... Uh, uh, Platypus Brewing Australian Blonde Bobby Dazzler. No there. contest. The Bud Light's free. The Bobby Dazzler's three bucks. Which the you, truth is, I will pay for the Bobby. I Dazzler. will too. Like I, I absolutely, will I will like, totally. Do I can that. tell you that hands down. All right. Well. All right. Enough of me ranting. Ian, it's been a good week. Did you smoke anything interesting this week, I my friend? I just got through smoking a cigar that was feeling you were having a cigar today. I did. As a matter of fact, I rushed in here just a couple minutes late because I was having a great conversation over at the lounge. Oh, I and thought you were going to say a great conversation with your cigar. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I do, too. Me I and, do that sometimes. Me and this cigar. We you just, are beautiful. <laughs> Boy, are you tasty. <laughs> I just love this conversation with you. I'm so relaxed. <laughs> so I went in, um, uh, you know, did my usual stop by uh, 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 Serious Cigars over there. There and um, said hi to the guys and and 
and ran in, bought a couple cigars. I decided uh, you'd mentioned this on on the list uh, a couple <laughs> weeks previous. Mm-hmm. The Ilyasion One Off. Uh huh. Yes, that's the one with the peace sign. Yeah, on it's got back. a little peace yeah. sign and um, an odd colored label. I actually, after I was done doing my uh, review, I almost always read the half wheel review, and it's hilarious. <laughs> like like read the half wheel review on this cigar because it's awesome okay. and hilarious. Um, there are some parallels uh, to it, but I will, I'll, ta- I'll tell you my experience with this. Now, I only smoke one, Half Wheel smokes three, so they have a little bit um, a little bit more experience with it. But I go for, you know, we're, our, our, our point in here is like, you just grab a cigar off the shelf. I'm average Joe. I'm not buying three of them to do a review. Right, right. I'm buying one of them to smoke and have an experience. And I'm just saying, do you smoke anything interesting? Right. Know? And so what was it like? So I snapped it up. This was a five and a half by 42, which is a smaller size than I usually get, uh, a Corona. And I paid $12.50 for this cigar. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a pretty small cigar for twelve. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not a cheap brand. That's no, for sure. no, it's not at all. And mm-hmm. Ilyasion, man, their MJ twelve is one of my absolute go to favorite cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I absolutely love that cigar, so I snapped up one of those just to put in my humidor. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan <laughs> cigar, um, Nicaragua everything basically. Um, uh, so it's a uh, it's the appearance. It's light brown. It's smooth. It's got a firm thing. It's a nice looking cigar. It's got a real mm-hmm. simple label on it with a peace sign, which is kind of nice. Um, the pre light sniff on this leather, rich earth, hay, and sweet spice. Nice. Um, the pre light draw. I used a punch. It was a little bit tight, kind of medium tight. Um, not too tight to where I'd complain about smoking it, but a little bit tighter than I'd want. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the flavors that I was getting from the pre light draw were nutty, leather, cream, and just kind of a sweetness to it uh really really nice the initial light was a sweet spice and cream right up front leather and earth following it up uh the draw as i smoked this uh uh into the first you know quarter inch of this thing the draw was too tight so i moved to a clip draw was still a little tight open up a little bit draw was still a little tight uh, the first third of this, I was rolling it gently between my fingers at the end to mm-hmm. try and see mm-hmm. if I could open it up a yep. little bit. Uh, I had moderate success at that, um, <clears throat> so I was back to smoking the cigar and stopped thinking about the draw on it. Uh, creamy, nutty, spicy, le- uh, the those those all things, uh, creamy, nutty, and spicy all move to the front. Leather and earth are a little more in the background. Uh, with a little light, like cinnamon, kind of maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe a baking spice kind of thing, uh, just at the very end, and then the ash fell on me. On you? On me? Uh, it wasn't even that. a long ash at that point. In time. It just <laughs> fell on me. <laughs> I was like, "That's kind of rude." Like maybe I was talking to my cigar. <laughs> yeah, maybe you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got through to the second third of this. The second third is the draw actually opened up. So like I, I rolled it a little bit more. The draw opened up. It was really actually a pretty nice draw at that point. Leather cashew was a flavor that came cashew. through. Yeah, it was a little nutty before, but it was more distinctly. You know how cashew mm-hmm. has that creamy butterness mm-hmm. to yes, butteriness absolutely. to it. Different from like a peanut or a right, walnut right. or a pecan. And, and yeah. so it had a lot of that flavor going on creamy sweetness um the next ash fell on me that's two like, ashes that's two, and it wasn't even that long what did you say to your cigar at that point like, i was starting to get a little upset with it <laughs> so I, I forgave it you know of course you know um the spice moves waves to the back it had a slightly uneven burn there should be a picture of that coming up here uh pretty soon there's a slightly uneven burn took a picture of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh let's see Think when i moved right into now. the um as I as I kept smoking that, I tipped my ash so it wouldn't fall on me again. The strength was ramping up a little bit towards the last of that second third. Very cashew and creamy. The third third, the draw started tightening up again. Uh, it, mm. it, it Almost like it was plugged up. So I was having draw issues with the cigar pretty bad. Which um, is frustrating on a cigar this expensive. It is, on $12.50. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the strength ramped up substantially. It moved to a medium plus maybe at that point in time. The spice was coming back. It got a little bitterness that I'm not sure that I like that much, but, hey, it was at least something interesting, so that's okay. Um, and then uh, right before I decided I was done with this cigar, at the very end, guess what happened? Ash the fell on ash me. fell on me again. <laughs> like I, I couldn't gauge it. You know, most of the time you look at an ash and you go, okay, it's time to tip it or it's going to yeah. fall on me. This one just randomly fell on me. All We're going to call this the seagull of cigars. <laughs> <laughs> you know how seagulls, like, there could be like... A, you could be in you know open space with zillions, and they poop right on you. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I outsmarted the cigar, but yeah. it got me that one last time. Uh, I was like, "Yeah, there you go, buddy." <laughs> so, <laughs> forgiving me for whatever this review is worth. So uh, at twelve dollars and fifty cents for the uh, oh, I, I forgot that the draw, uh, the not the draw, but the um, the the unevenness mm-hmm. burn. It mm-hmm. evened itself up. I didn't okay. I didn't tend it. It actually evened itself up. So that was actually pretty nice. Uh, and and I can be very forgiving about that, but the. The, uh, the 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 draw, draw issues really really gave me a negative on this. I got to mm-hmm. give it a four because mm-hmm. of that. It was a good flavor cigar, especially at that price point. That cashew creaminess was so delicious, but the draw issues really really now, ditched I, it for I me. I got to think that this must have been maybe unique to the one that you had because this cigar rated in so many yeah of rated the, so high of the uh, end of the year lists and stuff that we talked so about. So I'm going to today give it a four because I just yep, at that price point with draw issues I, I'm not not liking it. I may go buy another one at twelve fifty. It's hard to convince myself. Yeah, but I may go buy another one, uh, smoke it, and let you know if that one. Did all those things, but was better. You know, so let me ask you this sheet. question. If you went and bought another one, and it had the same draw issues, would your rating go down? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah lower, I mean, if it was, consist- if right, it was right. consistently mm-hmm. like that. And I want to point out one thing uh, uh, on the half-wheel review that I read afterwards. is <laughs> He had some notes about the cigar, but the funniest one is, I really would like to know what the actual name of the color of that band is. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I can tell We we showed the photo earlier if you're watching the the live feed. But, but. you know, so, I mean, hey, it was an experience. I enjoyed it. I I sat in a cigar lounge with it. If I was going to rate it on the experience of sitting in a cigar lounge and hanging out with some guys that came in Mm -hmm. and uh, starting up conversation, I I would rate it, you know, pretty high on that respect. But the cigar itself was a little disappointing. I may, like I said, may pick up another one and see if I can revise that. Well, two things. Uh, You mentioned Half Wheel. I love Half Wheel. It's probably my favorite cigar blog that's out there. Uh, but they were a little late in releasing their list of the best cigars of the year for 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not get it out in time for our best of 2018 cigar show, which you know, don't they know we have a schedule? Don't they know we have a schedule? Right. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's out. We'll cover that later on in the show. What's interesting, <coughs> Ian, is that you and I actually had a very similar experience in our cigars this week. Really? Although, I will say that my shirt and pants are ash free. <laughs> three times. Yeah, but but beyond that, uh, I smoked the Romeo and Julieta crafted by A.J. Fernandez Churchill. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll start out by admitting, as you have called me out on before. I've seen a theme here. I have become an A.J. fanboy. There's no doubt in my mind that that has happened. But I had not reviewed this particular cigar. <laughs> and I had I've had a couple of them in the humidor. So I brought it out. It was a really pretty cigar, kind of wrapped in, in cedar. Really, really nice. And you can see that, I think, on the on the photo that's up. It's, uh, uh, by the way, don't mind my very dirty... Uh, 
uh, uh, MacBook there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, you can see it's wrapped in cedar. It says Romeo and Julieta on the cedar wrapping, uh, and it's when you pull that off, it's also just very very pretty. Again, I've uh, the last several cigars I've had have just been beautiful, like beautiful uh-huh. to look at construction wise. The pre light on it was rich, very Nicaraguan smelling, uh, earth, wood, and chocolate like yeah, you yeah, yeah. normally get. I used a V cut. Noticed on the pre light draw. That it seemed a little firm, but you know it it lit okay, and 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 I started smoking it. The draw was not as easy as I prefer uh, after lighting it up. It wasn't bad. Sounds like yours might have been mine was a, a little, little tighter, a little tougher than than mine was. I did massage as you did the right, massage right. the cigar a little bit uh, in a couple of spots. It felt a little <clears throat> bit tight. It seemed to help, and then it started burning crookedly right off the bat. I was like freaking out a little bit because, and then I'm wondering because I'm such an AJ fanboy. I'm like, I bet AJ just comes up with the blend. I bet this is Romeo and Julieta that didn't roll right. right? So I'm thinking that because I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want it to occur to me that AJ could put together a badly constructed cigar. Uh, so I was worried about that. The good news though is that with only a little bit of tending, the burn straightened out. And then once I got into the first, you know third or so of it, mm-hmm. uh, fourth of it maybe, um, even that, uh, the draw kind of kind of evened Opened out. up a little bit. Yeah, opened up. So um, I was concerned, but once the draw improved and, the, and I didn't have to keep tending the cigar, I was able to really enjoy the flavors. It was a very rich tasting cigar, what I've come to expect from AJ. It was similar in many ways on a flavor profile to his H. Upman blend, which also makes me wonder... If you're AJ and you're you're like doing your own lines of cigars, uh-huh. and then you're doing cigars for H. Upman and Monte Cristo and uh, Romeo and Julieta, like how do you like make each of these blends unique? You know what I mean? How do you keep them for me? Because it reminded me flavor wise very much of what kind of is my go to right. cigar, which is the H. Upman by AJ. I like it because it's a couple of bucks cheaper than like a New World. Uh, one of AJ's own, and it's uh, it's just darn near as good. So anyway, uh, it was very rich tasting cigar. Notes of wood, cocoa, earth, even some subtle dried fruit, kind of on the back of oh, the nice. palate. Nice and complex, medium to full, right in the sort of sweet spot for me. It's a seven to eight dollar cigar. I'm tempted to take a little bit off of my price to quality score for the early construction issues, but. They did even out soon enough to still make it really enjoyable. So I'm going to say price to quality, five and a half. I want to say that back when I reviewed the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez, I think I may have given it like a six and a, a half. Little, a little bit more. So yeah. maybe that accounts for the burn issues. Still a good cigar for the money. And I will also mention that I've actually had another one of these. I had it at a point in time when I wasn't paying close enough attention to it really for the review so i'd smoke this one to talk about on the show that one i had no burn issues with at all so i'm hoping that was isolated just like i really hope that for the one-off that you had because i mean that's considered to be an excellent cigar yeah i mean it was rated so high yeah so So. you know i don't know like and and i wanted to i wanted to talk about your uh with with your love for the aj fernandez cigars and the flavor profiles being kind of similar yeah i think maybe when you have someone who's doing that many blends Mm -hmm. and is on fire there's going to be a certain amount of similarity because just like like a band, okay, album to album, they're going to have to have some of that right. same they're sound. They're going to have some of the same sound they had in the right. previous or, album. Or they yeah. don't sound like that band anymore, right. which is okay in some situations. <laughs> right. But let's let's frankly, let's be honest, if ACDC immediately came out and sounded like Pearl Jam... 
you'd be like, what is this nonsense? What's going on? Well, Def Leppard did that. They released an album a few years ago, and it was very kind of alt-rock sounding. And I think it sold about three copies. It wasn't bad. I heard it. It was like right, right. pretty well done, but it didn't sound like Def Leppard. So no one, you know, none of the alt-rock crowd went and bought it because they don't buy Def Leppard albums. And Def Leppard's fan base went, the hell is this? You know? <laughs> what, what, what's me, going on here? Give me photograph. What's hey, going you know, on? You know what's an oddly good rock album? Yeah? D. Snyder's new album. I haven't heard it. I, I like D. Snyder. I happened to see it on Google Play, and I was like, you know what? I like that guy. I like D. Snyder. I've, I've had a chance to hang out and have, it is, have it dinner is with him. It is not groundbreaking. Awesome well, no. It he's is never, exactly what it needs to be. never been known for being groundbreaking. I think off the top of my head, I think it's called For the Love of Rock and Roll or something like that. Very apropos, All right, but well, not bad. I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. You can find out exactly what the uh, title is, and we'll come back. And when we return, details on uh, Senator Marco Rubio's cigar exemption legislation. We told you last week that he... Uh, had filed another one. We can tell you exactly what it says, or at least the important parts. Uh, plus, Half Wheel, uh, our favorite cigar blog, has released their best cigars of 2018 list, and it is definitely worth perusing, even though they missed the Smoking and Toasting show deadline for the uh, best cigars of 2018 show. Uh, so uh, now I guess they're getting their own. Now they're all all alone in the spotlight. Uh, that worked that's, out pretty that's well. That's pretty for them. smart. Yeah, it worked out. Well, pretty those guys well they them. do great reviews anyway. Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, still to come on the show, uh, the ten most important craft beers in American history. Looking forward to that list. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. All about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. I got nothing in my headphones for whatever reason. Hello, check one two. Yes, that's me, and uh, that sounds a little better. I could use about uh, about half again as much. There you go. Thank you very much. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. It is the uh, radio program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. It's show number one hundred and twenty two, and we are brought to you by our good friends. And um, well, let's just face if they're the if we're the customer, what are they? They're the the I mean, I started to say our good friends and, and then I couldn't figure out the right word. Oh, if sponsor? Well, they're, they're a sponsor. They're yeah, sponsors. yeah. I'm just thinking, it's a place we like to go eat, is what I'm oh. saying. Um, uh, it's, <laughs> Sorry, I missed what you were saying Yeah, there. B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't think of the right word. Like, if they were talking about us, they could say our good friends and customers, Ian and Cruz, from Smoking and Toasting. Right. Um, but I don't know. What's the opposite? I don't know. Anyway, uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant is at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and uh, they are the sponsor for the show, and we are glad to have them. We are overdue to have our boy Jeremiah from uh, B&B do. on the show. Got to know what he's been up to recently. And unlike Chris Hart and Alan Denny, people actually care about Jeremiah. <laughs> so um, the reason I say that about our buddies Chris and Alan, who are frequent guests on the show, is that uh, one of the uh, – I've read about – I'm guessing about one-third of one review of the show on iTunes, and uh, I read far – I didn't click the see more you know, like right. to go. I just read that far, and I, then I quit. Maybe I should have read more. But anyway, in this review, the 
<laughs> the reviewer pointed, pointed out several things, including that we talk too much about Chris and Alan because no one cares about those guys. Nobody. So, yeah. It's really sad, actually. Yeah, that no one cares about them? I know. That no one cares about Because they're kind of nice guys. Um, anyway, uh, the B&B boys are, uh, are wonderful, and people do care about them, and they are our sponsors for the show, and we appreciate it. So we told you last week that Senator Marco Rubio has filed, once again, he's from Florida, Florida, uh, a big... Cigars are a very important part mm-hmm. of the uh, state economy of Florida. Uh, so he filed a bill at the beginning of uh, January calling for, once again, premium cigars to be exempt from the FDA reg- uh, regulations. Um, when we talked about that, the exact language of the bill um, was not yet disclosed. Now the bill has been updated. Five more senators from both parties have signed on as co-sponsors. Here's what the bill, which is titled the Traditional Cigar Manufacturing and Small Business Jobs Preservation Act of 2019. Boy, they love to give long titles to stuff in government, don't they? Uh, Here's what it seeks to protect uh, cigars that – it seeks to protect cigars that meet the following guidelines. So these cigars would be exempt from FDA uh, uh, regulation if the bill passes. Uh, The cigar must be wrapped in 100% leaf tobacco and bunched in 100% tobacco filler. It cannot contain a filter, a tip, or a non-tobacco mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be exempt. It must weigh at least six pounds per 1,000. So this keeps the little bitty cigars, um, you know, the little bitty machine-made type cigars from from fitting in. And it has to have 100% tobacco binder, is hand-rolled or made with human hands to lay the wrapper or binder onto one machine that bunches, wraps, and caps the individual cigars or has a homogenized tobacco leaf binder and is made in the United States using human hands to lay a 100% leaf tobacco wrapper onto one machine that bunches, wraps, and caps each individual cigar. That's a lot of uh, of text. But basically what it's trying to do is, is really help uh, to keep premium cigars exempted from this yeah. legislation. So um, whatever your opinions are of Marco Rubio, if you're a cigar smoker, you're his fan right now because he's pushing for this, and we appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much for listening to the show and for checking out number 122. And I, I don't know if you've we, – we set up, by the way, Adam, our uh, producer, set up a beer cam. And uh, I don't know if we've uh, if we've switched to the beer cam yet, but we're able now to take our, <laughs> our beers that we're featuring and put them right here in front of the beer cam. So you can see this, and this, I think, is going to be a very interesting one from Great Basin Brewing Company, which is in Sparks, Nevada. They uh, have a whole Orogenesis series of really interesting, different, very much off-the-beaten-path type beers. And uh, this particular one is the Topaz. It's the 2018. This is a Berliner Weiss-style ale with blueberries. So I'm excited for us that to sample this. awesome. Now, you're a blueberry-loving guy, right? You, you, you enjoy blueberries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I will say, I don't know if I've ever had a beer with blueberries, though, that I've liked. It, they, it seems like they might be a little too sweet. So I like the idea of them in a Berliner Weiss because that's going to be more sour by Yeah, well, blueberries are a little so. tart by nature anyway. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Like All right, so let's- cap uh, drop at the well, end. Well, yeah, awesome. you, you got it. It's, on this show, it's the equivalent of a mic drop. It's a cap drop. I just, yeah. I just want everyone out there to realize that for those sound effects, we spare no expense. We actually use an actual <laughs> beer. That's right. It's very important. And this wasn't a cheap beer either, I'll point right. out. That's so, right. That's right. Um, so. I'm just showing this to the beer cam. This is the beer in uh, one of our little taster cups here. 
that is very blueberry colored, uh, isn't it? It's, yes. it's definitely got a bluish purple uh, hue yes, to yes, it. Yes, so. Prince would love this uh, beer. Yeah, see, Rest his soul. This, is, um, uh, this beer is only available in Bombers, and uh, my understanding is uh, very, very difficult to find this outside of Nevada. smells like Nevada. a blueberry so tart minus the crust. that over to Adam minus the crust. Okay, good. It, it smells like, um, like it's pretty... Uh, I'm very interested to see where we go as I reposition this for the uh, beer camp. I will say, let me just make sure there's not any important writing on here. Uh, really difficult to see. Ian, I don't know if you're going to like this beer. It's only 3.5%. <laughs> that makes me feel a little awkward. It is, however, delicious. Yes. It's created with, boy, this is hard to read, malt, blueberries. Oh, see, they, they took a page from the uh, from oh, the wait. Bud Light campaign. They're putting ingredients on yeah. the bottle? C- crafted with malt, blueberries, hops, yeast, and water. We should probably call them and tell them to use that as part of their ad as campaign. As part of their ad campaign. Yeah, guess what? We've made this blueberry Berliner Weiss called Orogenesis, and we put on the label no, what's No, you know at? what's going to happen now, right? <laughs> what? Because Anheuser-Busch is going to start doing that. Then it's going to be some kind of lawsuit because they're doing it. They don't want everyone else to do it. This smells like a blueberry pancake. It's pretty. Try it. It's yeah. pretty delicious. Like mm, mm. it rolls on the tongue with a nice um, Berliner Weiss kind of wow sweetness, and then tart uh, finish, and that blueberry just blooms mm. in the aftertaste. So this reminds me very much of the St. Arnold Raspberry AF. I yes. don't know if I would have guessed that raspberry would be that good in a beer. Right. And then exactly. I tried that and I was like, that's amazing. And it did that same thing where the first taste is you smell the blueberry, you get a little of that on your tongue, but then the sort of sour of the blender rice takes over. And then when you finish, it's all blueberry. Like you said, bloom. And that's and that's how the raspberry is on the raspberry AF. I um I just I had to pour myself some more for advanced research purposes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is absolutely delightful. It is refreshing. Yes, and it's and not really lingering. Tasty. It doesn't have a lingering like like I'm a fan of Petrus, but Petrus mm-hmm. has a very lingering mm-hmm. sour bitterness to it. No, the sour this, goes away, and then you just have blueberry. Yeah, the blueberry, and it's mm-hmm. light. Like not sweet blueberry either. It's a very this would this, be a very enjoyable uh, summer beer. Although it's got enough, even though it's only what what is it three point five three point six, it's got enough heft to it that it's fine in the winter too. But it's it's uh, are you you could drink this sitting by the pool and as blueberry as it is. It's got enough Berliner Weiss, you know, mm-hmm. straight up Berliner Weiss flavor to where you know you're drinking a beer. Also, this has a little less um, less uh, uh, carbonation than like. Yes. A lot of them have mm-hmm. than a lot of Blender Vice in general because I find that Blender Vice usually has kind of a medium carbonation amount. Mm-hmm. This has it less, maybe a little on the like lower it. than medium side, yeah. carbonation wise, but it totally works. I'm just amazed at how the flavors happen in different parts of your mouth. Yeah. The first flavor is the blueberry flavor that you get kind of on the front of your tongue. The Blender Vice uh, sourness hits the middle. But then at the end, when you get that sort of bloom, as you said, of blueberry, it just it almost like blossoms on the very yeah back the retro of, the back of your tongue. Yeah, it's and wonderful. I bet this is great with like a a, a lighter cigar, something mm-hmm. something very on the mild side, a Connecticut or a like yeah, mild to medium somewhere. Great yeah. with that kind mm. of cigar. This mm. would be great with uh, uh, any pastry too. 
You're, you're right, and it Absolutely. almost it almost is the beer version of pastry. Yeah, is what it, it's what it kind of feels like a little bit. When it's you, light and crispy. Yeah, it really is. Wow. I'm for it. 100%. Yeah, I'm pretty forward to, uh, as well. I actually poured myself a little half a cup to put off to the side. I want to try it when it's warm. Okay, and that'll be uh, something we'll do in the next uh, segment then. Um, we mentioned the uh, the cigar uh, lawsuit, the, um, the lawsuit or the legislation, legislation by Marco Rubio. Yeah. The lawsuit against the FDA is still pending, um, and <laughs> the Department of Justice um, is all shut down. So, um, you know, there's the, the whole work stoppage uh, at the government now. So the FDA lawsuit is all delayed due to the government shutdown. And then beyond that, uh, I just want to find the this story because I remember... Uh, you know, I want to point this. out with that, a lot of the government agencies, especially uh, agencies like Border Patrol and like mm-hmm. that, those guys are still working and not getting paid. Yeah. That's right. Like, uh, seriously. The people at the airport that scan your bags and stuff. That, Still uh, working, not mm-hmm. getting paid right now. So kudos to those guys for By the way, I'm, keeping it going. I'm pouring a little more of this so that I can not set it aside and wait for it to get warm. <laughs> That's really uh, good, isn't it? It really is. There's a craft brewery in Washington, D.C. that is suing the Trump administration. They say that the shutdown is hurting new beer sales. It is a uh, a brewery called Atlas Brew Works in Washington, D.C., and they've sued the government. They claim that the administration is harming free speech rights by re- requiring compliance with a federal law that is administered by an agency whose operations are not funded in the shutdown. Uh, we're asking the court to allow us to speak to our customers during this shutdown by permitting Atlas to sell our beer to out-of-state consumers. That's a quote from Justin Cox, the founder and CEO of Atlas. Federal law requires the brewery to have something called certificates of label approval before they can sell the beer across state lines. And uh, Atlas has been un- unable to get this approval for some of its seasonal apricot-infused IPA called the Precious One because the stuff's not being processed through the shutdown. Now, this is particularly tough for a brewery inside the um, limits of – inside the boundaries of the borders of Washington, D.C. Because mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. is just a city. Right. It is not Maryland. It's not Virginia. Mm -hmm. And so many of the places where they would need to sell this beer. So it's not like you can sell it to the rest of the state. Right. Steps away, but they're in Maryland and Virginia. And uh, so they can't sell to those. So it is, in in their case, severely limiting. It would be a little bit different for a Texas brewery, let's say, to claim, hey, we can't sell. We can't get approval to sell across state lines, so our Louisiana well, that would sales be like saying are, the government's shut down. You can only sell beer in Houston city limits. Right, exactly. And if you're used to selling across the entire state of Texas, for example. Right. And that's what the, these guys, I'm sure, sell plenty of beer in Maryland and right, Virginia. Right, Because that's, I mean, let's and then, face it, there's some great think about bars this, in Maryland you know, and Virginia. We all know that the fight for a tap at a restaurant or mm. a bar the fight for for claiming a tap in one of those places is a real thing. And the if, reps have to go there. They have to they have mm-hmm. to pitch their product. The product has to be good enough. Then the the people at the bar have to go. Okay, we can sell this. Blah blah. So when you have a tap mm-hmm. in one of those places, that is, a, that is a prize possession. A big deal. And yes. as soon as they can't get a beer, well, that bar has to put something else on tap. And I'm sorry, but once that happens, now all of a sudden. Well, we couldn't get your beer, so we picked up this other beer. Let me ask you this question. If I you go know, to how a, much of 
that do you think is going to yeah. mess with them monetarily? If I have to, if I go to a bar and they've got Bud Light on tap, and I order a glass of it from the tap, how am I going to know what's in my beer? They're going to have to start issuing Bud Light glasses with that have ingredient labels ingredients on, them. on the label. That will be their next advertising campaign. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this uh, Atlas Brewing in Washington D.C. This beer that they're the most concerned about is an apricot infused IPA and it's a seasonal. I can totally see why oh, yeah. the season will be over for that. Yeah, it's gonna be gone. Before they are then able to get it to the places they normally be, sell it. Then they're sitting there with beer that should be drank fresh. Right. That they can't sell. Right. This is uh, apricot infused IPA is not something you right. want to drink IPAs several in months general later. Should yeah. always be fresh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or as fresh so. as you can get them. Speaking of fresh, this Berliner Weiss is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my God. Uh this is Maybe my biggest beer surprise on the show in a long time. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I had no idea I would like it this much. I'm very happy with this. Great Basin Brewing Company, Orogenesis, and it is... Oh, uh, this Berliner Weiss style ale with blueberries was aged in oak, by the way. So maybe that's... That's another ingredient they're putting on Yes, that's right. Glad they let us know. See, I'm afraid Budweiser's going to sue them for having all their ingredients on the label because Mm -hmm. that's going to be their whole new campaign. Mm Mm-hmm. And they can't have other people yeah. encroaching on their campaign. That's right. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and come back. We have more beers to taste, including one that I believe tells us on the uh, can what hops they use. So Budweiser's going to be upset with them as well. That's right. Uh, that's the St. Arnold Citrus. We're going to be uh, trying that next. Plus, Half Wheel Blog has released their uh, best cigars of 2018. We'll go over that list in the next segment. You are checking out Smoking and Toasting, and we are glad to have you. Show number 122. Welcome back, my good friends, to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 122, and my name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry. Hi, y'all. Adam on the Wheels of Steel. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. By the way, I don't know why I always say that Adam's on the Wheels of Steel because I actually always hated that phrase. I used to, <laughs> I used to work with a guy back in the old radio days, and I used to you know do some spinning in nightclubs and stuff, and we'd be out doing nightclub promotions, and he, if he was on the mic, he would always say, you know, DJ so-and-so on the wheels of steel, and I'm like, oh, God, you're so corny. And for some reason, I picked up on it, and that's how I describe well, you know, our I producer, think even though there are no now, how long ago? How long ago was oh, that? Oh, this was in the, like, 80s, Right, 90s. so now yeah. it's cool and retro. Oh, now it's retro. Okay, yeah. good. Well, no, all, things, and some, all things uncool become cool again. Some of the younger generation have no idea what that even yeah, means. What, what are wheels of steel? Yeah. <laughs> because now you can mix everything on your computer. On your computer, or, oh, They actually have, I've seen them for DJs, they have these. The they make, and But they make these wheels yeah. now. So even if you're playing it back from your computer, you can do with the wheel what we used to do with vinyl, which was to been, slow it down. I've been watching. Have bit. you watched that uh, evolution of hip hop on Netflix? No, but I've heard it's really good. No, just start from the beginning. It's so yeah. good. But watching these guys, like when they're they're just figuring out how to start doing the spin the records mm-hmm. and, and isolate the break beats mm-hmm. and things <laughs> like that. But there's a great section in there um, where uh, 
they're talking about, okay, well, here's how I decided to do it. I would put a mark on a record at this spot, and then I would count. So now we weren't guessing at it, and we didn't have the right. pauses in it and everything <laughs> like that. And these guys got so good at that. And it's fascinating to watch a good DJ. And uh, by DJ, I don't mean a guy who tosses on a disc and lets it play uh, and then crossfade into another song. And then cry. I'm talking about guys who are like really spinning a record. So let me ask you this question. Are you considered a DJ if part of your job is to go onto the mic and say, please, what were the sage, the lovely candy? You know, I think that's called a DJ, but I think, I think that's different. <laughs> I think maybe it is. Let's give it up for Escalade. Uh, that's right. I want to say, uh, speaking of DJs, I want to say uh, a shout out to uh, Ryan Pablo Foster, who is uh, uh, watching the, the show, or at least was for a little while until we mentioned Wheels of Steel. Then he may have gone, these guys are too corny for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I used to work with uh, Mr. Ryan Pablo Foster. Good to, good, good to hear from you, buddy. Um, so 2018 was a big year for cigars. And I'm wondering, by the way, if um, it's not going to be as big a year in 2019 because of the regulations and it being a little harder to introduce new brands. Because uh, when we do most of these lists we talk about, and we didn't require each other to do this on our list, we just, for the top three that you did and the top three that I did, we just talked about the cigars that we'd had in 2018 that we enjoyed the most. And turned out, I think a few of them were new releases for 2018 but most of the time when the uh, magazines and stuff and the blogs release their year-end lists they're talking about cigars that came out in 2018 so it'll be interesting to see what these lists look like a year from now Uh, there are 25 on this list so let me uh, blitz through them real quick and this is from half wheel we've had uh, uh, you know half wheel reps on the show before charlie from half wheel's been on uh, the show before we like this blog a lot they Normally, are a good sort of a no BS kind of a, yeah. a cigar blog, which I really appreciate. At number twenty five, they had the Hoyo, uh, the Hoya Silver. Uh, Hoya now a product of Drew Estate, by the way, and Drew Estate kind of re released a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the Hoya uh, line. Uh, the Villager La Vicendora, uh, Vin- uh, sorry, La Vencedora. Um, it's a Nicaraguan cigar. It's a twenty four on their list, and I believe that made several of the other lists mm-hmm. as well. At number twenty three, a cigar. That it basically, I think it's made every list we've seen uh, this year. And, um, you know, hats off to Alan Denny and the crew at uh, uh, EP Carrillo because the Perez Carrillo Encore is at number 23 on their list. And that made my list and your list, which is really good. Uh, I got a little freaked out when I saw number 22 on this list because it's a, a AJ. Fernandez cigar, and I have never had one. Uh-oh. Uh It's the uh, the tea from Caldwell Cigar from Room 101. Uh, Caldwell Cigar Room 101, I guess, um, got together with AJ and did this. Came out actually in October of 2017, which I think made it eligible to be on the 2018 list. But it's called the tea, and the wrapper on this, or the not the wrapper, but the cigar band actually look, has three keys on it, so I'm not sure why that Their rappers it, uh, the tea, at Caldwell are so interesting. Very interesting, By yeah. the way, the Caldwell Savage is such a great little that cigar. Is a, that is a good cigar. You're absolutely right. Uh, the Miquerida uh, is at number uh, 21. I'm not familiar with that cigar, but know it. that will have to go on the list. The Espinosa Las Six Provincias. 
is on the list as well. Uh, another AJ, the Bella Artes Maduro uh, uh, from yeah. AJ Fernandez Those is on the list great. at number 19. That's such a great cigar. Uh, the Tabernacle. I have not had one of these. I a very have. interesting looking cigar. It has a, a guy on the cigar band who looks a lot like the... Uh, wacky king on the Bud Light commercials, but I would still smoke this. Uh, it's uh, the Tabernacle Havana Seed CT uh, number 142 uh, from Foundation Cigar Company. You've had... You've had uh, I've had the Tabernacle. the Tabernacle. I don't know yeah. if I've had that exact one. Uh, the Mbombe or Mbombe Classic Torpedo from Mbombe. Mm -hmm. That's a Costa Rican cigar. That came in at number 17. At number 16, the Liga Privada T52. That's the one that looks kind of like the, a nub, like it's short and right. really, really round, but tapered at both, uh, tapered at one end and pigtail cap on the other. I haven't tried that, uh, but I love the Liga Privada. Yeah, that's, that's a really good cigar. I'm gonna, actually going to have a picture of this on the iPad. I'm just going to show Show this to the uh, beer cam uh, so you guys can see what that actually looks like because that's a, that's that's the cigar right there. Beer cam. Yeah. You can also see the beer we're about to try, the uh, Citrodos IPA from our friends uh, at St. Arnold. Uh, number 15 on the list is the Moon Garden from Warped. Have you had the Moon Garden? We've had a number of the Warped cigars. I haven't had, had the, the Moon Garden. Garden. I don't think I have either. It's uh, uh, a pretty interesting looking cigar. They show the Lancetto. Uh, the Aladino Corojo Reserva is in at number 14 from JRE. Um, by the way, Aladino... Uh, I'll just go ahead and say this on the show. This is the first time we talked about it. Um, Aladino, they've invited us to uh, Honduras, and we're going to be doing the show from Honduras coming up in February at their uh, at their factory. So I'm really excited That's about that. That's so yeah. exciting. It's I don't gonna, even know what to say. I'm so stoked about it. At number 13, AJ strikes again. The Ramon Ayones AJ Fernandez uh, is number 13 on this list. Uh, the uh, uh, There's a tie at 11. Between the Davidoff uh, Diademas Finas Limited Edition 50th Anniversary, which is only a $36 cigar, Ooh. by the way. Uh, it, is an, it is, however, tied with the $7 to $12 My Father La Opulencia. So, Those are good. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. Uh, so which one are you smoking? I'm going to My Father. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm, I'm a cheap bastard. Uh, the Mambaco Coseca 2013. I am not familiar with this cigar. Are you familiar with that? That one with the orange band uh, there, I haven't, I haven't even seen I'm it. I'm not familiar with it either. So that's uh, – every time I see cigars on this list that I haven't tried, they go on my, you know, Must try, 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 yeah. to, try to find them list. Yeah. The Wise Man Maduro. I have had this cigar. It was quite good. I think I reviewed it on the show, as a matter of fact. Also from Foundation Cigar Company. Uh, comes in at number nine. Crowned Heads Court Reserve. Um I'm not going to try to translate the Roman numerals because I'm not very good at that. XVII, what is that? 10, 50, is that 18? XVII is, is 17. 17, sorry. No, 17 would be XV. Oh, oh. XVII would be 17, but uh -huh. this is XVIII. Oh, that's So 18. this is 18 uh, from Crowned Heads. I've had a number of great Crowned Heads cigars. I have not tried this particular one, so that uh, that goes on my list. At number seven, the Warped Siri Grand Reserva 1988. I have had that cigar. It's wonderful. I haven't had it. want to try it. Oh, number seven on the list. At number six, the La Flor de Inclan. Um, that's D E. And then Y N C L A N de Inclan, I believe I'm pronouncing it uh, correctly. It's from Villager. 
from Villager Cigars. So those guys, several entries on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Aganorsa Leaf Signature Selection at number five. Now, I know you really, really like the cigars this company puts out. Have you had the Signature collection? I haven't had that one, no. Okay, so that goes on the list as well. I haven't either. Well, Aganorsa Leaf is, uh, is the old... Uh uh, Casa Fernandez. Right, Casa Fernandez. They yeah. changed the name because there was too much, uh, too much confusion consumer with confusion with my boy AJ. Yeah, yeah. AJ Fernandez, yeah. Casa Fernandez was yeah. a different company. So yeah, they had nothing to do with each other. So they right. was like, okay, uh, Cornelius and Anthony, the gent. I have had this cigar and it. Uh, I reviewed it on the show. It was really, it was really good. You have, may remember have that. Not had that. You may remember that Cornelius and Anthony uh, label there. It's uh, it's pretty good stuff. I've now like uh, bumped my list over to something else. There, we're back. Southern Draw. Cedrus the Hogan uh, is at number three. It's a uh, kind of a short torpedo. Short torpedo. Cedrus the Hogan. I've had Southern Draw. I got you a Southern Draw yeah, cigar earlier that I remember that, that you really liked. Uh, but the Southern Draw, Cedrus the Hogan. You got me the three. Southern Draw Maduro. I actually mm-hmm. picked up one of those today when I was at the cigar shop. Guess, uh, Ooh, I liked it so much. Guess what factory that's made at. Uh, let me see. A.J. Fernandez? Yep, A.J. Fernandez <laughs> Cigars in Nicaragua. The Sin Compromiso is uh, number two. Uh, I have seen advertisements for this cigar, but I've never actually seen one. I've seen, it looks amazing, from, though. The picture is awesome. Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust uh, is the name of the tobacco company from Fabrica de Tobacos Hoya de Nicaragua. So I guess it's a Hoya de Nicaragua product. Uh, interesting. Would that make it a Drew Estate? I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, and Hoya de Nicaragua Cinco de Quedas comes in at number one. Now, that one I am sure is a Drew Estate product. So, um, wow. So, uh, a lot of the cigars on this list, and they even uh, did this at the bottom. They said "Country of the Year" Nicaragua was yeah, uh, oh yeah. was where the uh, was where the bulk of uh, these cigars all came from. But I do trust Half Wheel. I, I, I appreciate what they do in their reviews. I've I've never really found them to lead me astray, and they, of course, as I've mentioned. Are kind of a no BS uh, cigar blog, yeah. which I, uh, which I appreciate. But there's their, there's their countdown. Uh, you can find it at halfwheel.com, By the way, if you want to go and look, and and they have uh, you know nice pictures of these, so you can kind of tell what these look like if you're out uh, searching for these cigars. So, uh, Ian, you were saving um, some of this uh, beer from our last segment. Uh, the Orogenesis oh. to let it get warm. Is it warm enough yet for you I to? I think I'm going to let it sit for one it? more. All right, then let's uh, let's go ahead that. and break open the brand new one from St. Arnold. We love this brewery. They're our our uh, sort of like hometown hometown boys. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like rooting for your hometown baseball or basketball team or something uh, when you root for St. Arnold. And uh, this is their Citrus. Now, St. Arnold's uh, first IPA was the Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Still a good beer. I will admit. I, I drank Alyssa for so long, I really kind of burned out on it and stopped enjoying it as much. Same. And uh, recently had one. Guess what? It was delicious. It was one of those things where, okay, I've definitely taken a long enough break from this that I can really enjoy really, yep. this IPA. Uh, my favorite IPA of theirs is actually the Art Car IPA, uh, which I think may have started seasonal but is now a, uh, a year-round. I've been uh, seeing it everywhere. So. I, I think it's a year I know it's a year-round product now. I don't know if it started seasonal or not. Art Car I like because it's very citrusy and uh, a grapefruity, uh, which is kind of like right in my wheelhouse for, uh, for IPAs. And for those of you who have never been to Houston, Texas, art car. Uh, there's an art car museum here, which is where mm-hmm. people take old uh, jalopies and, you know, basically 
paint them up and add do all kinds art of things stuff. to them. There's to make one with singing cool. lobsters all over it, <laughs> and we do and we do an art car parade. Every there's year, one that breathes is, fire, which is one of the cooler parades. There's, yeah, it's, uh, there's all anyway. kinds of crazy ones. All right, so this is the Citrodose IPA made with Citra hops. Ian, you have already sampled, so I'll I have. turn the mic over to you. Um, this is more of an IPA style that I enjoy. It is more of an IPA. Style. Yes, this uh, <clears throat> this the way this beer comes across the tongue, the hop. Is uh is a little more up front. It's not as much on the uh, aftertaste. It's got a nice clean aftertaste, but then the malt in the middle makes the big difference. So you're and a malt guy. That's very much yeah. That's very much me. But this has a lot of balance to it. Wasn't expecting it. I expected them to go um bigger hoppy, but to I think they already have hoppy, some yeah. bigger hoppy beers anyway. <laughs> they do. Yeah. This is big hoppy, but it's big hoppy in a different way. It's big hoppy on the front, not on the tail or in the middle. It's it's interesting. As a person, I would drink these. As a person who's a fan of IPAs, probably my favorite style of beer. I like know, this I better than Art Car. Really? Yeah, See, right away. Interesting, because I don't know. I like it a lot. Not sure if I would put it ahead of Art Car for my palate or not, but I would say that as a fan of, of IPAs in general... I'm kind of hoping, and I think we may be seeing this, that this trend of how much hop can I put in a beer is beginning to wane a little bit. Well, and that we're you know you know what I mean, and that that it's no longer about trying to be the hoppiest beer you can possibly make, but it's more about balance and using different this, kind of hops working together. This is much more balanced. This this has that citrus grapefruity flavor on the aftertaste but it's not a grapefruity hop mom right it the the aftertaste itself is more pure grapefruit than anything else very drinkable and uh and the malt profile in the middle is what does it for me and then and then it's got enough hops to be big and full and boisterous i mean that's uh it's not it's not the biggest beer they make but it's pretty bold on the front and i really enjoy the style because it it just flow this beer flows to me you mentioned whereas art car to me leaves a little too much hop bitterness on the back end well see you mentioned um but you know again i'll I'll drink art car i like art car right you you mentioned the grapefruit i was surprised to find any grapefruit in this because that's such a characteristic of art car right you know and it's kind of like well when you have that why would you come up with another one but the reason is because this is a very different beer yes from our car it's got a whole different yes flavor profile and i know i i can understand why you like this better than our car because you can really taste the malt in this more so this than is an ipa car. that i will go buy six packs of uh, like and, right off the bat and and there's not a lot of them that i do that with and like, you know what that means I will come over. That's right. Like, <laughs> if you were to look in my refrigerator right now, you would see I have a, a, a mini boss. And I, I love have, mini boss. We've had that on the trying show. To think, oh, I have a couple special IPAs that my brother brought from uh, Pennsylvania that I'd like to bring on the show. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think there's any IPAs in my fridge. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and see, you will find probably more ipas than any other style in mine right. although i got a pretty good assortment but there are some like on a, on a drink like this will definitely be added to my list like yeah. this and i like that um the uh, sierra nevada the uh the juicy uh oh the uh yes the hazy well, little thing hazy little thing yeah. hazy ipa mm-hmm. like those mm-hmm. are ones that i actually buy and 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 go through which is unusual because i just don't drink as many ipas mm-hmm. that's right wow uh so i'm impressed by the citrus I really am. So let's uh, let's take a quick break, Ian. Let's come back because in our next segment, um, we're going to try a brand new tequila, a tequila that, from from my understanding, is the only platinum 
So Platinum Tequila is clear. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the only Platinum Extra Añejo Tequila. That's an interesting that's, combination. That's out there. Well, right, because Extra Añejo has been aged longer than any other tequila. So, so it it's naturally going to pick up more color. Right, right. So they go back with this particular tequila, and they filter it a number of times, and then distill it again in order to pull it back to a clear color. What does that do to the flavor? It'll be Curious. interesting to see. Yeah. Also, a quick shout-out to Howard Sandler from Caffey Cigars. I see you on there watching. You, thanks, for, thanks for tuning in. Yes, Share it you. out if you like what you're seeing. Yes. Um, that just gets our uh, gets our word out there more and more. We appreciate it very much when you guys share the show, whether it's sharing the live uh, feed on Facebook or whether you share it on uh, YouTube or whether you just uh, let friends know about it uh, from uh, Google Play or from uh, uh, from iTunes. We appreciate anything you do to help us get the word out about the show because there's like there's like a zillion shows out there now, so it's it's kind of a crowded uh, kind of a crowded field. Yeah, and I feel kind of bad when I keep posting keep reposting my stuff on my page i I feel like all my friends are like again (laughs) but if you guys share it yeah then then you can prevent me from bothering you yeah you can can prevent ian from feeling like he's being a nuisance (laughs) all right we'll be right back uh with by the way not only that tequila but the uh the story about the uh, about the most influential craft beers 10 most important craft beers in american history that sounds awesome coming up on smoking and toasting anymore like we used to but i was thinking if you start them on 20 minutes each time we can know how much welcome back to smoking and toasting it's all about craft beer fine spirits and hand rolled cigars um we haven't talked much about uh, whiskey on today's show some shows we talk a lot about whiskey mm-hmm. uh we haven't done as much the two two whiskey things i wanted to mention and i'm sure you might have a whiskey thought or two or two but uh, uh a whiskey we had on the show three four weeks ago um, was the Jefferson Brothers uh, single cast? Mm-hmm, I remember it. I have been enjoying the hell out of that. That has just been. I've had that with several different cigars. Man, I'm telling you, that's a good, good. We loved it on the show. I remember we yes. both really enjoyed it. It had a lot of uh, of uh, cinnamon flavors to it. Uh, but it is just. It is so easy to drink, so so smooth, so enjoyable. So just wanted to mention how much I've been enjoying that. Can, can I do a whiskey shout-out then? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, remember when we had uh, Travis Whitmire on? Yes, and yes. And laid that bottle of Whitmire's on me? Yes, I do. Mm, it's it's getting close to being ended. <laughs> that stuff is so good. Yeah, I know. Like I, I know. am just so amazed by now, it. Now, you he, he brought a couple of different bottles. I remember you... We're crazy about one of them. I was crazy about the other one. So uh, that was, but but we both liked both of them. It was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good show. Travis, you're welcome back anytime. Yes, please. Uh, also on the whiskey tip, Dogfish Head, one of our favorite craft breweries in the world, has unveiled their new craft whiskey. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of you know uh, beer brewers are beginning to take a careful step into I keep meaning the to pick up a bottle game. of the Rogue uh, Dead Guy whiskey. I so, keep forgetting. You know they've changed to. the Rogue uh, Dead Guy. It's it's they've done things to I, I think their attempt was to improve it the, to make it uh, uh, a little more I don't know, a little more interesting. I don't know. We liked it when we had it on the show, but it was a very sort of like remember it was a very easy drinking whiskey. It right, wasn't right. wasn't like a 
Uh, it didn't have the, the same powerhouse punch to yeah. it as like some of the some of the other things that that we've tried. But uh, well, I will say, you, you know, back to the beer fridge, Rogue Dead Guy Ale mm-hmm. is almost always in my beer fridge. Oh, that yeah. stuff's so that good, stuff's so good. The Dead Guy, yes. Uh, well, the uh, the first distilled and aged malt spirit alternate takes volume one from Dogfish Head is now officially uh it's officially available i uh, absolutely love the name of it i i have not seen this anywhere i actually looked for it when i was at the uh super ultra mega specs uh, earlier this week uh but i did not find it but it's called alternate takes volume one distilled from what is essentially a dogfish head beer albeit one that's never been released commercially or was never intended to be so they created a beer to create a profile for the barrel for, for the whiskey exactly nice. okay uh, and unlike uh, this article i'm reading an article from pace magazine it says unlike breweries like deschutes who do the black butte uh, porter whiskey dogfish head isn't taking one of their commercial beers and then distilling it instead they're designing a fermented liquid liquid to be distilled from the very beginning using, using a rather crazy array of malts applewood smoked malt coffee kiln malt and crystal malt, uh, which are then mashed and fermented with the brewery's house doggy ale yeast. They then take the fermented product, they distill it, age it in newly charred American oak barrels, and then it's finished in rum casks that previously held their barrel honey rum. So that's, well, that's dogfish head. They're yeah, just I was going to say. I was going to say. Uh, there's like 48 steps there. That's that's amazing <laughs> to me. But it, but you it know, does sound I would very love interesting. To hang out with those guys when they're coming up at that because yeah. they're like, well, we're going to do this. Okay, oh, first, okay, wait, wait, wait. You then, know what, you know then cool? let's do and this, then, <laughs> and then check this out. What if we did this? Yeah, <laughs> like those let's guys do all be of so it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do all of it. I think that may have been the same as um, the vibe when the people at Goose Island back in the old pre Anheuser Busch days first came up with the bourbon right. barrel Let's just uh, try it. Bourbon County Stout. It was like a way to really try something different that people weren't doing before and oh then let's do this. So we'll be trying that in the final segment and I'm really curious to see with them now being owned by Anheuser Busch and all that that means can they maintain the ability to make a truly amazing um Real craft beer because we talked about this when when a brewery is acquired by one of the by one of the megas right does it invalidate great work that they're doing brewing premium quality beers and that's where we came up with I think it was Adam actually that came up with the designation the difference between <clears throat> craft beer which by our definition can come from a big uh, a crap brewery owned by one of the big boys. It doesn't have to be uh, independently owned. But then we refer to something like a St. Arnold as indie beer. It's mm-hmm. St. Arnold is a true indie beer because they are not owned by the big boys. Now, you've gone back and tried some uh, Orogenesis. This is from our first uh, tasting segment on the show. The Berliner by Sale with blueberries, the Orogenesis Topaz. You waited for some of it to warm up. Now, I what do you think? I wanted to get room temperature and try it. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's just interesting. When I find a beer I like, uh, I like to try it in different phases. Which is kind of like having a whiskey and putting the ice yeah, cube in, yeah. tasting just, it cold from the ice, and then, and then as it dilutes. Um, this... Um, I like this better cold. It's more fun. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually pretty good warm. Uh, the carbonation is almost gone right now, so it tastes a little bit like a watery wine. Mm. 
Um, like, like so a, I can see where the cold would be like better a, than because like a it's a little more, has a little more kick to it. Water, but but I don't mean that in any kind of bad way. It still tastes pretty good. <coughs> um, I definitely like a little bit more of the cold with the carbonation. is a little more fun to it. Um, but still a good solid beer. This is one if you accidentally left the glass out, man, mm-hmm. drink it anyway. There it is. It wasn't. It wasn't loud, but it was tasteful. It's so oddly clear. Yes, it, uh, it is oddly clear. So I'm going to put this bottle actually back uh, they, on the beer can. They really mm-hmm. are making that starkly visible. How clear? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, you can the see bottle's right through completely it. clear. I mean, it's the very, show. very little. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was. A There's bad, very was little a stuff bag. going on on the bottle. It's very classy looking. But I think they wanted just to say, right. hey, man, look how clear this is. Right. Even the printing on the there's bottle is tiny, very minimal. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of color. tint. Now, are you sure that's not just from my hand being behind it? Let I me, think, let me I, hold no, it there. I think I'm seeing it because I was seeing it against that. Yeah. I, yep. I, I agree with you. There is but a tiny bit. But it's very little. But if you think about so in order for it to be uh, extra Añejo, it's got to be at least three and a half years in in casks. Right. So that's going to that's gonna take that's gonna add some color. I mean, it's not going to be a clear spirit. Well, you said they filtered it again to take the color out. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Let me let me just let me take a moment and search this it so I can in so that I can get it right. Yes, uh, it's key, which is Q U I. It's got that warm, uh, warm uh, agave and sugary kind of like mm-hmm. you know how the añejos get a little of that sugary kind of yes. smell. Little yes. Um. <clears throat> so here's Maybe what it says. It's made ones. in it's made in uh, small batches, uh, after being aged for three and a half years in hand selected American whiskey and French Bordeaux barrels. Uh, key is filtered and redistilled to create the world's first platinum extra añejo tequila. The years of maturation, they say, give it the uh, rare and highly coveted extra añejo designation, as well as the signature, and then they go on to describe the flavors, which I don't want to uh, I don't want to uh, prejudice your thoughts on this, but I will say it's been awarded the gold medal in the Spirits of the Americas competition as the finest extra añejo judged, and is named by the Wall Street Journal as one of the five best bottles to buy now. So this is this is complex. It's got um, it's got a lot of the flavors you expect in an extra añejo. It's got a big peppery profile, but not <laughs> like a spicy. On the nose, I get that sort of peppery tequila, mm-hmm. but what I might be expecting from a blanco or a reposado. But that's just on well, the nose. Well, it's weird because the pepperiness is before the aftertaste, and and you end up with that peppery flavor, but not the peppery burn at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a warmth that comes back afterwards. Um, there's kind of a toffiness mm. to the... I can get a little bit of that the, on the nose. The yeah, sugar the toffee, cane yeah. kind of almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of interesting things going on in this thing. Well, so this is one of the reasons to drink an extra Añejo tequila. Because in my in my experience... If if what you love about tequila is the agave flavor, you're going to be happiest with probably a blanco or a reposado right. because that's where the, that's where the agave flavor is the most pure and it's the most upfront. Uh, as you move toward añejo and uh, extra añejo, you get you know more of the caramel and maple. I mean, I think of 
I think of comparing this to something like, and it's not as expensive Maple as, is one of the things I'm, I'm yeah. getting in there. Uh, this is not as expensive as like a Reserva de la Familia, but it is also, it's also a very different flavor profile than that. It's It's got some of the maple and stuff, but when you have a sip of that, I mean, you're getting maple, vanilla, um, you know, that very oaky sort of thing. With this, I get more of the agave, but I am getting some of those onion hill flavors. It's like it's like if you were a real fan of like a really great reposado tequila, this would be your ultimate. I have a buddy named Tommy who uh, I don't yeah. know if he's watching today, but he would really enjoy this because how interesting it is. Here's a here's a thing. It's very um, complex. By when the way. you drink it, just like you normally do. Um, the flavor profile is one thing. If you take a small sip and let it roll around your tongue for a little bit, first off, it just makes your mouth water a mm-hmm. bunch. But there's a really nice kind of uh, bitterness that comes into it. Very interesting. Almost, but but like an oaky kind of astringent uh, bitterness. It's really nice. It's really good. It's it's it makes your mouth water and want more. I can't believe I'm going to say this word in connection with a tequila. But did you say, or am I just tasting and thinking it, butterscotch? I could go with that. I get a little bit of that in there. Maybe that's what I was trying to think of mm-hmm. earlier that it wasn't coming up. Like, because it's got that sugary, but I would go, there is a butteriness to the aftertale. Maybe I. Yeah, maybe it's the butteriness is what I'm thinking of, and I'm thinking butterscotch. I'll tell you this, it's very smooth. You know, it's interesting because it's not real, uh, it's mm. not real oily. No. Um, but it does also coat the mouth with flavor. Uh, I'd say it's probably, I, I'd say this is a win. This is. It's very pepper forward. What's the uh, price point on this bottle? This is, depending where you buy it, around a fifty dollar bottle. Outstanding for fifty bucks. Yeah. I'd say something this good. Yeah, uh, you could, that's worth it. You can pay sixty for it. You might be able to find it for forty five. Well, yeah. I mean, just I mean, think about this. We're just talking about this over and over again. This is mm-hmm. this is a. If you're in the know about tequila, this is actually not only uh, not only a nice sipping drink, but it's a conversation starter. It's a conversation piece all on its own. So this is in the general price range of sort of my favorite sort of go-to, not maybe my all-time favorite, my favorite sort of go-to uh, tequila, which is the Skelly. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be interesting to do a side-by-side with those. It would be. Because it reminds me a bit of the Skelly, but the Skelly just... <laughs> That skelly is just so smooth, and like you have no idea the you're skelly, drinking tequila. Speaking about buttery smooth, yeah, that right. stuff is so good. Skelly has more of the buttery. This has a little more of the pepper, I think. But uh, I love the fact that we love the skelly tequila so much, even though it's in the absolute corniest container mm-hmm. you could possibly put it in. Totally. And now I have a collection of those corny containers <laughs> because I'm like, dude, it's brilliant. A, it's awesome. Um, yeah, Ian, I'm pretty impressed with this. I got to tell you. I have to say, you know, bang for the buck, I think if you're going to go high end and you want something that you can talk about, mm-hmm. and it's just different, it's different enough, it's unique enough because it's clear, it's mm-hmm. been redistilled, it's, it's, this is a very interesting tequila to have. Mm-hmm. It really is. By the way, I, I think I talked about this on previous shows. I don't know if I ever gave you the details. And since we haven't talked about rum today, let me just take a rum moment. Rum, 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 rum. Motorhead has released their own rum. You mentioned that. And yeah, we and I don't, think, I don't think I ever got to the story to uh, to talk about it. It's an eight year old Dominican dark rum, um, following on from the release that you know they did the Road Crew beer. 
mm-hmm. uh, earlier in 2018. Tell uh, me it's called Eat the Rich. <laughs> uh, it should be. What is it called? Uh, it's just called Motorhead Premium Dark Rum. It should be called Eat the <laughs> that, Rich. Though, that right. should be more fun. <laughs> they age it for eight years in ex-bourbon barrels, and it's described as having aromas of uh, dried fruit, vanilla, brown sugar, arak. Do you know what arak is? A R R A R R A C K. I'm not sure I know what that is. No idea. Uh, and dark chocolate, uh, full bodied and spicy with notes of chocolate, vanilla, oak, and nuts with a medium sweet, spicy finish. That sounds a little contradictory to me, but does sound delicious. Uh, and they uh, all, this all comes from the band's new uh, drinks brand, Motorhead Drinks, which also produces a wine, a vodka, a cider, a whiskey, and a beer. So, I guess they are uh, there. <laughs> It's hard for me to picture having a Motorhead wine with the crackers and cheese. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> but the the dark rum kind of fits. Like unless you're you know? cutting your crackers and cheese with a machete or something, you know. Like that's, <laughs> here's my cheese knife. <laughs> All right, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold on to this uh, story about the uh, ten most important craft beers in American history. Uh, we'll do that in our final segment, and we will also be tasting our bourbon barrel. Uh, our Bourbon, Bourbon County, County Stout. Stout. All right, quick sting. Uh, yep. Brian put up, uh, and he's a par- apparently our go-to guy. <laughs> Iraq, also spelt A-R-A-K, is a distilled alcoholic drink typically produced in the Indian subcontinent and Southeast Asia made from um, either the fermented sap of coconut flowers, sugarcane grain, i.e. see more. I wonder if this is... Or fruit, depending on the country of origin. I wonder if this is that region's version of Malort. It sounds better than Malort. Yes, it does. That's possible. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a break and be back with our uh, final segment. We'll do those uh, 10 most important uh, craft beers in American history, and we will be tasting the uh, Goose Island Bourbon County Stout 2018. I am looking forward to that, and I dig this tequila. Yeah, it's good. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. We are show number 122 today. And we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in uh, Fort Worth. Um, we <laughs> we were talking about the um, uh, the review that I read like a third of. Uh, uh-huh. And and uh, th- that it uh, basically let us know that our our boys uh, Chris and Alan that nobody cares about those guys, uh, but it also uh, it also mentioned that uh, it, very critically that we like everything, and I was just thinking about we've done nothing to dispel that today because we we've like lo- we've loved two beers and a tequila so far. Uh, but you know what? This show is really not about trying to be like hardcore reviewers we'll tell you if we don't like something yeah but the show really is mostly about us bringing on things that we think we're gonna like well considering i go out and spend my money on this stuff right right you go out and spend your money on this stuff do you really look at something and go i'm probably not gonna like that i'm gonna spend my money on it yeah i do have one flaw in that theory though you actually purchased malort malort is something unto itself. <laughs> you're it's right. You're right. It's, it's, in, a category, besides, it's in a category no one, all its own. No one goes around bad bearing people, but you can be malorted. <laughs> yeah, 
that's a very, very, very good, uh, very good point, sir. Very good point indeed. Uh, well, we are going to be trying some beer, and I'm very curious about this. So I'm going to say this: we're going to be trying some beer that, in my mind, this will answer for me a lot of questions about Goose Island. Okay, if you want to reach for it now, we'll, we'll do it now. This beer should answer a lot of questions for me about Goose Island because, uh, but in and I both read the fascinating book called. Uh, um, Barrel Age Stout and Selling Out, which is about Goose Island, its acquisition by uh, Anheuser-Busch, AB InBev, and you know the struggles that they went through trying to make it as a small brewery, the struggles that they've gone through, gone through trying to re- retain some authenticity uh, since they were the first and most talked about acquisition in AB's uh, buying spree. So to me, if we open up this bottle of beer and it's outstanding, I mean, what would that say to you, Ian, about the, about the whole... Well, theoretically, so the beers like this are supposed to be very little to, to, to no influence from Anheuser-Busch. Right. You know, they're supposed to be brewed in-house at Goose Island. That's what their uh, brew kettles there are supposed to be for, um, and their experimental series, and their, um, like, the Sophia and, right. and beers like oh, that. Man, that beer's so, so good. Um. So if, I would be happy in my heart to know that this is a fantastic beer. I will Just tell to be you. honest with you. So if, uh, a if, little sad that Anheuser-Busch owns it, but I would be glad to know that they still make what they started out making. So if Bud Light is for the many, not the few, this would be for the even fewer. Yes. You know what I mean? This, this is, is for this is for me, you, and uh, my friend Brian on here. <laughs> and I bet there's some other people that <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there are, this, but so. still. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll find the article about the, uh, there, there should uh, the list. Be, there should be no dilly-dilly in this beer. Yeah. <laughs> You you don't you're not even supposed to say dilly dilly in the same segment where we're tasting this beer. That's how well, far away from it that is. You know what I mean? I'm just afraid that if I enjoy this, I may get thrown into the pit of despair. Oh god! Well, yeah, that was that would be just horrible, wouldn't it? Okay, that was a fairly normal sounding beer opening. Well, there's not a lot of carbonation. I'm assuming That's true. in this. You That's know, true. I mean, stouts aren't the highly uh, most highly carbonated, and then barrel age smells. Good. Mm-hmm. It pours out like motor oil. And that's probably a good sign yes, when we're talking these are both uh, good signs. barrel-aged stout. Look yep. at that nice chocolatey-colored uh, uh, head that develops on now, there. Now, I will admit, even though I've read the uh, the book and, and its explanation, that I really am not I really am not up to speed on Brettomyces and... Brettomyces. Brettomyces, thank you. Uh, to me, I'm every time I hear that word, I think of the lead singer for Poison, so I don't know what that... Uh, that's Brettomyces. Brettomyces. That's Doesn't he make... Does he make dog treats or dog toys or something? But he has nothing dog to do. Dog clothes. Like, dog clothes. Yeah, something like that. But he has nothing to do with this beer. Um, but the Breton Amiases, this has to do with how the beer is. Well, it's well, allowing see, the I, bacteria to work on the beer. I, I can say that. I don't know that that's be. in this beer. That's in like this in the uh, in the other experimental okay. beers. This is a stout. This is more about age. So this is so more the about the was a was a uh, was a strain that was considered for a long time basically a plague when it comes to beer because it's so right. um, so unpredictable and um, the and that was where like the Sophia Island and the Matilda came from. Were the ones that. That that found a way to kind of isolate it and use it and make in it a positive you know, way in a positive yeah, way. It's, it's about using your powers. At for least good. in the modern craft brewery mm-hmm. 
industry. So, um, well, I'm going to tell you, stout, and then uh, their their development was to age it in bourbon barrels because people weren't doing that at all when they. So they were the first to really at least receive notoriety for doing this, right? I don't know if they were the very first, but uh, they, yeah, they got they started doing this, and this is one of the biggest revolutions in craft beer. Well, I can tell you, and of course, everybody does it now, right? Um, It does smell really terrific. There is such a um, a dark uh, fruit, uh, date and raisin sort of vibe to it. It's got a little bit of a of a boozy feel to it. I guess you could say. Yeah, on the nose. It's uh, does it say on here what the uh, ABV is? Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. I made up for it. Uh, it's fifteen point two. Oh, it's fifteen point two. Yeah, so there's a little booziness to it. Well, I love the right. viscosity. I like how I think it is. There's very little. Um, very little carbonation to it. Okay, so there's a chocolate, sort of a cocoa nibs kind of a vibe very, to it. Very, yeah, coffee. Uh, very gritty. A little uh, coffee. Co- a lot co- of oak in this. Like, the oak mm-hmm. is huge in this. Well, again, this was aged in bourbon barrels. So, and, um, um, wow. There's that, but that dark, uh, that dark, like the malt, like this, mm-hmm. this has that, that, that classic, you know, you go have a malt. Mm-hmm. That malt powder kind of flavor mm-hmm. in the very end of it. So this you, is outstanding. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's really really this is good. Not just good. This is outstanding. Yeah. I, I have to say. So where where does this leave us with Goose Island? I mean, listen, I enjoy some of their uh, you know more mainstream uh, beers as well uh, at Goose Island. I I like the Goose IPA. I think it's you know reasonably good. Not my favorite IPA, but I like it. We've had several. I mean, the the Sophia and the Matilda. Oh my God, there, those yes, beers! Outstanding They're beers, unbelievable. Outstanding. So you, so this this would be my problem with taking too harsh a stance on the craft only uh, thing because. Let's let's face it. Well, they're it. not indie beer anymore. We put no, they're not indie. Remember, beer. it's craft. We decided on this show here, craft beer is craft beer, even if it's owned by right, even if it's owned by uh, uh, the uh, the big conglomerates. But the fact is, it's not independent beer anymore. But but you put money in Anheuser Busch's pockets when you bought this. That bottle. does sad me up yeah. a little bit. Right, it does. However, because I just added to that campaign. Yeah, <laughs> you helped pay for I added to a campaign the, that makes fun of this kind of beer. That's right. From this company. Which is the whole problem that I have with this whole thing. Like, yeah. I can't believe that their drinkers don't see that as an issue. I think they do. I think they are I think that Bud Light with their advertising campaign is underestimating even the intelligence of the mini. I think the mini. No, most of my friends that like what we'd call mainstream beers, that like Bud Light Macro and Bruce, Miller Night Macro yeah. Bruce, right? Most of them understand and appreciate craft beer. They love what it's all about. It just isn't to their palate. They like a more, you know, sort of a drinkable, quaff-it-down type of beer when it when it comes to beer. But that doesn't mean they don't have appreciation for what craft beer is. I love it's the fact like, that it's kind of like guys you may know that enjoy getting you know uh, uh, a hamburger at a fast food restaurant more than they really enjoy going in and sitting down and ordering an expensive cuisine meal. Doesn't mean they don't appreciate that cuisine meal. Just means they'd prefer to pull through the drive-through and you know. I do oddly know people like that that yeah. would literally take a McDonald's burger over uh-huh. something like a Bubba's burger. Sure. 
And if you have never been to Bubba's and you live oh, in Houston. Oh, dude, Bubba's is, the, oh. Bubba's is my jam. It's the only that's, burger I know uh, of that's cooked well done, which is weird to me anyway. Yeah. And is that kind of good. And is that juicy and oh, delicious. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, no, you're right. But back to the Bourbon Barrel Stout, the Bourbon County brand stout from Goose Island. It, if we were to say, I'm not going to... I'm not going to buy beer anymore from companies like Goose Island that are owned by um, uh, by the big companies like AB InBev. Then we'd be depriving ourselves of this beer. Okay. And so others like it. Others that are great. Point, counterpoint, okay? So this beer is outstanding, and it is historically an amazing beer for craft beer. It mm-hmm. opened up the gates mm-hmm. for lots of people to do this. No but question. I will tell you this. It does hurt my heart a little bit every time... Uh, I know a little bit of my money goes in uh, AB InBev, mm-hmm. um, just because of of their because their they're spending faced they're spending money mocking you on national like TV. That. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing that they have a whole entire campaign set up about bullying people who are different, and people think it's hilarious. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure how hilarious it really is. Like those spots aren't that funny anyway. Billy, <laughs> but let's Billy, get Billy. off. Of, let's get off of yeah. that for a minute. Here's the thing. Um, it does sad me a little bit that this is such an outstanding beer, and you have to put money in ABFS uh, pocket to get it. However, there are beers out there that are this good that mm-hmm. are independently owned and independently crafted. We have some here in town. We have we have St. Arnold with their whole uh, Divine Reserve. Yeah. They're always experimenting. They're always trying some. They're mm-hmm. Bishop's Barrel program is amazing um we have uh uh the remember the uh the uh buried hatchet buried hatchet buried hatchet is a stout that's from uh conroe texas that's from almost this good and you could just go buy it off the shelf anytime yeah, from you southern want. star yeah no you're right you know maybe not quite if as you bourbon as this, barrel age man it's close if you bourbon barrel age it though and that's called Black Crack, and that's amazing. Yeah. Is it? Uh, you can't get Black Crack most of the year, right? That's no, no, that's it, but I have a can of it. Oh, I see. might have two cans of it. We've had that on the show. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But so, mm-hmm. so on one hand, yes, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're depriving people of something that's good if you just refuse to buy from them. Um, on the other side of it, there are beers out there. I think as outstanding as this is, this is not the best beer I've ever had in my life. It's outstanding. It is really outstanding. But it's not the best beer I've ever had in my life. And I can, I can now. I can go. You know what? That's okay. And you know what? If I put one bottle of beer a year or two in their pocket, I think I can probably live with that as long as the beer is this good. Well, see, I put more than that. But I will hold them in contempt for the fact that they make fun of people that like beer like this. Yeah, that's the part that I don't get. It's one thing, even though they own this beer. It's one thing for them to go, "Hey, I see a trend. We're a big brewer, but I see a trend that people like this uh, this craft thing." So we're going to invest in that. We're going to buy some some of these guys who make it well and try to make it try to make it available and on the shelves in more places. I you get think, that. You think we should uh, uh, start a campaign against the ABM of uh, Dilly Dilly commercials, uh, uh, citing them as bullying people? <laughs> it is a form of bullying. It is. Yeah, but then That's I don't buy into the, all of that bullying type stuff. Let's talk about history. Eighteen ninety six. Anchor Brewing was established. That's amazing. 1896. Probably doesn't seem like a really logical fit in the modern craft beer world, but um, when Fritz Maytag, who was the 
heir to the Maytag Appliance Company fortune, uh, bought the brewery in 1965. He saved a brewery that was on the brink of closing. I remember hearing about that. Batches were small, but in 1971, Anchor Brewing released Anchor Steam, and it was transformative in the beer industry. That beer, they, yeah. from the minute I first tasted that beer... I was in love with it. Well, they are the first entry in our list of the uh, 10 most important craft beers in American history. And this, by the way, comes from an article in something called The Manual. You can find it at themanual.com. Next entry of the 10, and I'm a fan, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Hell yeah. Uh, The brew that craft fans love, all the hop-forward citrusy and piney ales, would not be the same without Sierra Nevada Brewing. Every craft beer, uh, brewer looks up to Ken Grossman in Sierra Nevada, and for good reason, because Sierra Nevada Pale uses the fantastic and now iconic American-grown Cascade hops. And that is That's an a absolute huge. go-to standard. Now, remember, this list is about the most important right. beers in craft brewing History and the most important American craft beers, uh, and so like you got to admit be game changers. This right, would be ones that. So we got to admit both of the two we've covered so far. Oh, Oh, one hundred absolute game changers. Yeah, early game changers. Early on, yes. And here comes another one, Samuel Adams Boston Lager. One hundred percent. That beer is so good, and to this day, it's it's the beer that I'm often so glad is on the menu someplace where there's not. Listen, uh, I'm a not a golden throated pitch guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember those ads. He did. They were so yeah. classy about it. Yeah, he didn't put anybody down. He just said, "This is our beer, and this is mm-hmm. what's different about it." And and they stuck to that campaign and rammed it down everybody's throat mm-hmm. until people tried it and were amazed at how good that beer is. Um, Jim Cook, the master brewer of, of Sam Adams, and I did not know this. He knew there could be a more flavorful beer than the increasingly similar beers that everybody else was releasing back in the mid-1980s. So he came up with a business plan for Boston Beer Company and found a brewery that would mass-produce his family's old lager recipe. That's where Sam Adams Boston That's Lager amazing. came from. That was his family's old lager recipe. And it goes on to say in this article that no brewery has gone head-to-head with the likes of Miller Coors like Samuel Adams. And they continue to. They mm-hmm. will butt they heads continue to. every single time. They now, don't back down from that challenge. Now, this next one is interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how you feel about this. The next one on the list is Blue Moon. And I apologize for that. Uh, Blue <laughs> that was Moon, a beautiful, awkward moment. It was moment. a beautiful, <laughs> awkward moment. Uh, Blue Moon, not technically a craft beer in the truest sense, was developed by Coors and owned by Miller Coors, but Blue Moon's influence cannot be taken lightly, according True. to okay. this article. So here's the here's the pluses and minuses, okay? Mm-hmm. Blue Moon was a capitulation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's them going, mm-hmm. we have to have part of this industry. The downside yep. is... It's not that great. Right. It's okay. But think about it this but way. But it has been very instrumental in people trying something with different flavor and That's then right. moving on. It's been that, uh, what do you uh-huh. call it, the gateway beer. It says right here, how many drinkers have been introduced to the idea of a more flavorful beer through a glass of Blue Moon and an orange slice? Right. Too many to count. So, uh, agreed. It, it, it is a very gateway mm-hmm. beer, and it was, it was, again, it was a little earlier on, too. Next on the list, and one of the reasons that I'm so excited that we had it on this show, Goose Island 
Bourbon County Stout. Right now. Which I'm still enjoying, by the way, a little I, bit I, of the... Oh, I you, you topped off. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Um, you know, um, when Goose Island uh, first released the Big Boozy Stout, it, it says that it was aged in whiskey barrels, no beer could have seemed crazier. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's definitely it uh, did definitely it pushed the, the limits. It pushed the limits. Save some of, of that what, for Johnny. By the yeah, way, I did. As okay, a matter of fact, I'm setting it over there specifically <laughs> for him. Our uh, one of one of the um, employees up here uh, is a big uh, stout, big stout fan. fan. Yes, big time. yes, he loves loves the big dark beers. Uh, next one on the list is La Folie. La Folie. Yeah. From New Belgium Brewing. Now, uh, I'm hoping that you are familiar with this. I've actually never had one of these. I am. Uh, but it's a wood aging beer. Uh, New Belgium Brewing is, uh, of course, a leader in the U.S. of wood aged sour beers. They were one got... of the early ones on doing that. So this is a brown sour ale. Yes. And they, they did this before anybody was doing yes. uh, sour beers. They were the early they on. And I got to tell you, uh, New Belgium is a company I have been proud to be a fan of over the years i love their whole stock line i think their mm-hmm. 1554 is so unique mm-hmm. and wonderful mm-hmm. uh don't drink it as much as i used to uh you know oddly enough i've gone with them i've gone full circle i liked a lot of their beers i've come back to their amber ale is just such a good beer when you get it nice and fresh it's it really so is good. good it really and we've is said good. that on the show before but yeah new belgium like I don't think they make anything bad. Like all their stuff is good quality. Whether it's a fat tire or whether you're drinking one of the right. Ranger IPAs, and they're a little more consumer line. They keep their ABVs mm-hmm. down on most stuff. That's mm-hmm. not real high ABV stuff, but but they will go outside and do that. That's their is it their Explorer series? What do they call that? I can't remember. Um, they had they have a whole series of different ones too. But mm-hmm. but yeah, that's outstanding. Now this next one I find very interesting because it's from Dogfish Head. So when I think Dogfish Head, I'm thinking it's the 90-minute IPA or the 120-minute IPA. Instead, they've included the Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. Which is great. Yeah. They said Dogfish Head really could be on the list for any number of beers, but they're going with Worldwide Stout. Uh, The founder of Dogfish Head is one of the celebrities of the beer industry. And as imaginative a brewer, they say, as there is. Worldwide Stout was one of the first extreme beers he made, bringing in an insane amount of barley and hiking up the alcohol percentage to near 20%. Well, no wonder you like it, uh, Ian. Uh, Dogfish Head also innovated, they go on to say, with 60-minute IPA and the insanely potent 120-minute IPA, as well as a plethora of other beers. I just love how off-the-beaten-path inventive they are. Yes. That's what I love about Dogfish Head. Absolutely. Never been afraid to try They're absolutely ridiculous. They're unbelievable in how, like, they'll just go so far out. The craft beer movement needed a poster child, and the West Coast aggressively hopped IPAs gave it just that. The poster child they've chosen for this list it's one of my go-to beers, Lagunitas IPA. Yeah, I can see that. Love, love Lagunitas. The style is divisive, often too bitter for many, and certainly not a great entry-level beer. But it was so different from the macro lagers that it was perfect to separate the ideas of beer. Um, there are many options. The article says Green Flash even named its IPA West Coast IPA. But Lagunitas Brewing Company is the best-selling IPA in the nation. I didn't know that. I didn't know that and either. A, and a delicious example at that. Again, great brewery, too. <laughs> Next on the list, 
Oscar Blues and Dale's Pale Ale. Love Oscar Blues. Yeah, for years, uh, cans were reserved for the macro beers, but the aluminum containers were said to be the inferior container for beer. I still believe that to be true, but uh, (laughs) we just just took complete opposite sides of that. Uh, Anyway, along came Oscar Blues Brewery and the canned Dale's Pale Ale in the early 2000s. Uh, now it's almost uncool not to use a, a can. So, uh, well, it's become ubiquitous in the industry just due mm-hmm. to the fact that uh, it's it's easier to take care of. First off, it's cheaper to can, and the other thing is there's no UV contamination to your uh, beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like it won't happen. And you can take it on like beaches and places where awesome. glass. Yeah. Is not well, that allowed. being yeah. said, yeah, there's so many places where glass is not allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I'm that gonna... you know all, you say all that stuff. But to you know, me, 70% of the time when I drink beer, I pour it in a glass. And as do I, but there's still nothing to me quite like reaching into the refrigerator and pulling out that cold and bottle. And pulling the of top beer. off. And when you take a sip, it's going through that little we're, vortex. We're never going to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because the vortex bottle makes I it drink smoother. What about the vortex. Of course, that makes it taste better. That because made me one of the The vortex stupidest. over an inch and a half of. Glass is too wide to make any difference. <laughs> right. And it makes the beer fly out in all different directions and spill all over the table. Sorry, that uh, just pops into my head every time I think of it. Quick, which was a stupider campaign, the Vortex or Dilly Dilly? Oh, man. Uh, I, you know, the Vortex, I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know. That's still, and one of those companies, remember they had a 12-pack where you, they, they, they lined the 12-pack to where you could just open the top of the 12-pack, or maybe it was a 24-pack or something, and then just pour ice into it. Oh, well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that was there for about a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a soggy carton of Can beer. Can you see the guy running into the meeting? I've got it. Right. I've got the answer, the perfect thing. It's, it's my cold ar- activated, yeah, so you can tell right. when it's cold. The mountains turn blue. Right, because you can't feel if it's cold. You have to be able to see. So what's the actual opposite of that? The final beer on our list, Hetty Topper, The Alchemist. I have never had I've that. read a lot about this beer, never actually tasted it, so that needs to go on our uh, must-taste list. Uh, here's what it says. The past decade or so, beer has been driven by white whale beers, in quotes, and it breweries. First, the industry was largely driven by the big boozy barrel-aged beers. Then IPAs proliferated, defining the craft beer movement. So it m- only made sense that soon it would become the it beers. The Alchemist's heady topper, along with Russian River's Pliny the Elder, became the beers to seek out and drink and drink at least once in a beer drinker's life. Hetty Topper's line continues uh, directly into the massive surge in popularity of New England IPAs. So I have not had The Alchemist, but I've heard and read a lot about it. And wasn't it the one that toppled Pliny the Elder from yep. the top of the uh, the top of the beer listing? So uh, anyway, I thought that was a great list, though. That like, is a good I, list. I thought I appreciated, even though I'm not a fan of the particular beer, I appreciated their inclusion of Blue Moon. Well, it, it just shows that the the person who made that list was thinking about the realities of what were mm-hmm. important because it's not the best beers, right? This it's important, right? Beers. This wasn't about how hip can I look by yeah. the beers I put on my list. It was about it's actually beers doing... that influence the community. Mm-hmm. And hey, you know the the whole Blue Moon thing. I remember when that was blowing up, and tons of people yes. were trying. Like, have you tried this? It doesn't taste like any other beer that they've been having. My you best. Know, if your go-to beer is a Coors Light and you have a Blue Moon, right. that's a world of difference. My best friend Dave uh, will be a guest on our show uh, next week because he's going to be in town uh, visiting me. And I always used to love when Does he, he would, know that. Uh, no, he doesn't. Okay. Uh, but, but it'll it'll all come around. Uh, <laughs> but I used to love he and I would be out drinking somewhere. He would see someone order a Blue Moon, and he would turn to me and say, 
I just don't want produce in my beer. <laughs> you know, that, was, <laughs> that was his his line. He's got a million of them. Uh, okay, that's going to wrap it up for episode number 122. Uh, the most important craft beers in American history was a great list. Thanks again to uh, yeah, they the did manual. A great job I thought they list. did a great job. Sometimes we get these lists and we I get into them and they're pretty stupid. Wah, wah, wah. But yeah, but this one, but this one worked out uh, worked out really well. I see you reaching for the red box. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything, but I love that sound. I love that we were able to sample this year's uh, or 2018's iteration of uh, the Bourbon County Stout, mm. which was on this list. Like We were able to do it the same week that we had the list. That is pretty nice. And I'm still nursing this and enjoying it very much. So, mi- so much great beer, so little time. We have some really amazing stuff that we're getting our hands on from all over the country, and we'll be sharing some of that with you in the uh, episodes to come. Uh, we want to thank our uh, sponsors and friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. We didn't get pod crashed this week so. we did not get pod crashed this week i will point out if you want us to not like beer then yep. send us beer send us beer you pay mm-hmm. for it not us mm-hmm. send us beer that you, that you think, think we're not that. gonna like and we'll yeah. talk about it no, we'll, we'll drink fine. it and talk about it yeah that's absolutely. Fine. but if you want us to, to tell you about like the, beer we're not here to do big beer reviews we're here right. to tell you what we're experiencing with the beers that we have yeah and occasionally we will find one that we don't like and we'll tell you and that's that's just the way it is. So, <laughs> it's been a great uh, show today. It has been a very fun show. Thank you guys for helping us get all the way to number 122. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. We will not be able to sample the Yellow Rose. We'll have to get to that another time. But have a wonderful week, my friends. And uh, we will be thrilled to see you back here for show number 123 uh, next week. Have a great week. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. <laughs> Mad laugh at the end.